These are Grindstaff publishing audio files. Room to Roam. Chapter 2. Iceland. A gleaming white light shone in through the sheer curtains of the hostel room, awaking me from the comatose sleep which was nowhere near long enough to be restful. It was 7.30 and most of my anonymous roommates had vacated the stinking dormitory, leaving a few of us with arms draped over eyes and loud noises coming from numerous unseen crevices. With the rush of excitement from the mystery of what the day would hold, I grabbed my stuff and left the room much more quietly than I had entered only hours before. The hostel was calm in the morning air as I descended the staircase. A large variety of shoes and boots lined the sides of the stairs giving a glimpse into the personalities and ambitions of the people taking up temporary residence in the eclectically furnished building. I walked into the common room to see my friend and now traveling companion Reed in an overstuffed chair sipping a coffee from the bar behind him. A thick blue flannel shirt draped over his wiry frame while his close-cropped black hair cut himself days before offered a striking juxtaposition to his piercing blue eyes. Once I saw him, I couldn't help but giggle, trying and failing to restrain the flood of emotions swelling within my body. After months of talking, hours of travel, and many near panic attacks, we were looking at one another in a hostel in the first country of our voyage. I pulled the chair zealously toward my friend and we spoke quickly at least on my part. Reed's pattern of speech rarely leaves his zone of moderate speed comfort, of the hurdles we had to overcome in order to be where we were. Reed had arrived the day before, mid-morning, and decided to survey the city. After stopping for coffee at a quaint cafe, he walked all over the downtown area, bought a traditional Icelandic sweater for an amount of money he deemed to be fair, but suspected was exorbitant due to the currency conversion, and came back to the hostel for an early night's rest. As we talked, I realized how little rest I had gotten throughout my ordeal, but I shook it off with a cup of black coffee and a bagel. Not wanting to waste a minute of our day, we exited the hostel and walked out into the crisp morning air and walked along the snow-covered sidewalk of a new country. It is hard to describe how it felt to be so far away from home with someone I had become such good friends with. I had met Reed only a year before when we began working at the same craft beer pub I had been for the better part of a year. It was a full day of training on the Oregon coast at the main brewery, and we spent over 12 hours together talking about beer, our lice, and the experiences we had gathered up until that point. By day's end, we had found another drinking establishment and kept the conversation and the pints flowing. Our backgrounds were very much different, but at the end of the day, we found so many similarities in our interests that we were more than excited to get to working together. Over the course of the next year, we saw each other almost every day. While working together, we passed the time discussing our dreams and aspirations, the women in our lives, and places we wanted to travel. Sometime around April, these talks of travel, mixed with the international clientele our pub drew in, began to coalesce into semi-solid states. It was then the idea of traveling around Europe started floating around my mind, and in a matter of a week, I was sure I would make it a reality before the year came to a close. Settling on Iceland as a first country, I informed Reed of my tentative plan one day while setting up an outside bar for an event at the pub. In our nonchalant manner of speaking to one another, I invited Reed to join me, and within hours, and an okay from his long-term girlfriend, it was settled. He and I would be crossing the globe to explore Scandinavia together. From then until June is all I thought about, and the entirety of the discussions Reed and I had over so many pints of beer. The conditions couldn't have been more perfect. I had been broken up with my long-term girlfriend since the beginning of the year, and was looking for something stupid to do in order to keep my mind off of her. 
traveling the world seemed to be just a thing I needed. While living with a friend from work, Reed and I bought our tickets making our trip a reality. The last day of work, three days before I boarded the train starting the journey, I told Reed goodbye from the other side of the bar. Less than a week later, he and I were walking the streets of Reykjavik, nearing a large church with sloping edges reaching for the sky. We entered the beautiful church and noticed we could ascend to the top for a small fee. I reached into my wallet and pulled out the 5 euro note which had been given to me by a European man visiting the pub in the middle of the hop fields over the summer after hearing about my trip, saying, Here you go, this ought to buy you a train to somewhere. The bill was crisp as I handed it to the ancient woman stooping painfully at the ticket booth. Reed and I ascended the elevator to the top and were greeted with a magnificent view of the city. The clouds had lifted on the seaward side, giving way to scattered blue skies and a large rainbow arching colorful over ships and succinct buildings down below. We surveyed the city from up high and pulled out my camera, beginning the first of what would become thousands of photos from the trip. Reed pointed down at buildings and neighborhoods he had visited the day before, smiling ever so slightly as he pridefully gave a bit of history on this museum or that piece of knowledge. He had done his homework. Making our way to the other side of the observation area, we looked out into the countryside with its dark gray clouds fully formed, dropping sheets of rain in some parts of the lush green countryside. We looked at each other knowingly. That was our next destination. One of the ways Reed and I are the most common is our sense of adventure. Not the simple, leisurely kind of adventure. We enjoy the masochistic kind, the kind where being uncomfortable and slightly hoping for something not so bad to happen just might happen. It was this shared trait which made us giddy as we hurried back to our hostel, grabbed our things, and rented a car to go into that storm which lay ahead of us. My heart leapt as we were shown the car, a small European hatchback we dubbed the Getz. In a normal situation, this car would be considered a piece of shit on wheels, but since we were in a different country and it would give us autonomy over our destiny, we couldn't have been more proud of the windshield cracks and duct tape mirrors which gave it so much character. Without giving much thought to the paperwork and totally denying the insurance plan, we were handed the keys, threw our bags into the back, and drove out of the parking lot at static. Without incident, we navigated our way through the minimal traffic of Iceland's largest city, and soon found ourselves driving into the rugged green countryside which seemed to stretch endless on all sides. It seems so simple, but the act of driving in another country is amazingly fun. The traffic in Iceland is the same as in America. We drive on the same side of the road. We obey basically the same laws. But there is something about the freedom of a vehicle and the possibilities inherent within which made every mile traveled a direct example of our own choosing. If we had taken a bus, it would have been a there and back trip. There wouldn't have been room for spontaneity or creativity, but in the gets, it was up to us which route to take, which site to see, how much time was spent on each destination. With the radio admitting local Icelandic channels, we switched between incessant chattering, mostly on my part, and quiet musings out the window at the green vastness and mysteriously placed boulders scattered across open fields. Iceland was a country Reed had wanted to visit the most, and because of this, he had made an ambitious itinerary which was to be democratically decided into a practical route around the southwest corner of the country. First on the list was Tingvellir, the site where two tectonic plates, the North American and the Eurasian, are coming together which manifests itself in a kind of canyon of rugged rocks covered in thick green moss. We arrived at Tingvellir, and were astonished at the length of the crack in the earth and quickly descended into the bottom of it. Lush green moss padded our tracks as we navigated over invisible holes and over sharp, lichen-sprinkled rocks, feeling like true explorers. To our surprise, there were no other tourists anywhere, and it felt like we had the entire tectonic plate boundary to ourselves. After an hour of climbing around and listening to Reed chatter off historical facts of the area, we ascended one of the walls and were met with a sign printed in both Icelandic and English telling tourists not to descend into the crevice. 
Feeling bad about our traipsing over trespass ground, we hurried off to another part of the park, a waterfall of deep blue water crashing amidst rocks with a spray misting tourists, which must have avoided the crevice from before. On our way back to the car, we met a few young women from some part of Europe and told them about our plans for navigating Scandinavia, and I felt the gravity of my three-month trip for the first time. When I was making marks on my world map in the apartment, it didn't seem like such a big deal, but now at the start of this expedition, actually talking it out to complete strangers and seeing the reactions on their faces, it was real. It was happening, and it was only day one. The girls went their separate ways, and we found our car with a real Icelandic sheep munching on greens not far from it. Reed wanted a picture of him with his overpriced Icelandic sweater on and a real Icelandic sheep next to him, and I took the photo with a thorough glee in my heart. True tourists. We climbed into the car, and it was my turn to drive. The next stop was a town called Geyser, which, not surprisingly, was home to a large water-spurting geyser. Tourists were crowded all along the hole in the earth, all of us waiting anxiously for the big moment when a burst of water would erupt from the hole. The big moment arrived, and everyone said their ah or oohs, and they went back to staring at their phone screens, hoping to have gotten the perfect shot. Not digging the crowd, we climbed a hill to get a better view of the geyser. Still weren't too impressed, then got back into the gets and headed on down the road. After a quick stop at a gas station, we found ourselves back in the countryside, cruising along, listening to Icelandic music. We came to a large parking lot with even larger off-road vans with adventurous-sounding business names printed all along their sides in sharp, monstrous, extreme font. A short hike brought us to the rainbow-covered waterfall of Gullfoss, with its throngs of tourists and bright yellow parkas taking photos of themselves with selfie sticks and a countless number of peace signs thrown up for good measure. It was mid-afternoon when we left the gigantic waterfall and found a convenience store, ate a couple of questionable hot dogs with some chips, and drove along the Golden Circle Highway to the far southern end of Iceland. The Golden Circle is a main highway which wraps around Iceland in one continuous loop. Like the girl I had met on the plane over, many people drive the entirety of their road, since it traverses all the geography Iceland has to offer. On our voyage down the circle, we were both surprised at how many sheep were wandering over the roads, including ones being herded by ranchers atop miniature horses. Passing big-wheeled tractors and bridges with one lane, we trudged along the highway admiring the serene beauty, and once we reached the southern end, we understood the reason so many people have that vast country on their bucket list. As we turned to head east, I watched as the ocean surf washed up over black sand beaches offering a stark contrast to the snow-covered hills on the other side of our car as we sped down the highway. We stopped to admire Eyjafjöck, but the mighty volcano was hidden behind a thick cloud cover acting as a joker card to a day of perfection. The next couple of hours was spent visiting two more beautiful waterfalls on Reed's itinerary, followed by a stop at a few man-made caves with dwellings inside called Rutschiller. A beautiful sunset burned bright orange behind the rumbling ocean as we sped along the golden circle of the town of Selfoss, where we had booked a guest house. Along the way, we searched the skies for the northern lights, but were denied due to cloud cover which thickened as we neared our destination. My companion still hadn't seen the electric green of the northern beauties and was jonesing for the fix which itches at the eye sockets of every visitor to the great north. While in town, we searched for places to eat, but were let down to only find a burger spot which was closing soon. We ate quickly, bought some cheap Icelandic beer from a gas station, and set out to find our guest house. Rolling down a long gravel road lined with trees, we pulled over and searched the skies once again for the northern lights through the gaps in the gray clouds. No luck. The guest house was quiet, with a few lights shining through the big windows of the main house. Sheepishly, we walked in the door and were quickly told the entire site was welcome for dinner, but being tired, and, at least on my part, new to the communal scene, we declined and found our small cabin-like room. Walking in, the large square room housed a queen-sized bed, plus a bunk bed in the corner. 
I took the large bed and Reed volunteered for the bottom bunk. Room temperature beards were pulled from my bulging backpack and we sipped the contents with glee. Both exhausted from the meandering journey of the day, we chatted off and on about the next day's sights while drinking from the tall green cans. It couldn't have been too late when jet lag caught up to us and the lights went dark in our cabin. Sleep came down upon me like a hammer and before I knew it that peculiar Icelandic light was shining in from the curtains once more and adventure was calling. After a shower, I reloaded my backpack and soon realized how ridiculous its size was. After a shower, I reloaded my backpack and soon realized how ridiculous its size was. Back at my grandmother's house, I had packed it like I was going on some kind of African safari, the kind where a person wouldn't see another person for months. I hadn't realized it, or maybe it was my way of dealing with the anxiety, but traveling Europe didn't require a gigantic hiking backpack full of stuff to get by. Slightly embarrassed at my lack of travel acumen, I quickly threw my hulking bag in the back of the gets and climbed to their front seat. Reed, having traveled much more than I had, had packed a school-sized backpack and a small duffel bag for the trip. It must have been obvious to anyone with a decent set of eyes which of us was a better traveled. The morning was drizzling rain which made the green covering all around us seem that much more lush and fitting for our Scandinavian journey. In preparation for the trip, Reed had taken to reading the works of Snorri Sturluson, an Icelandic poet and politician who lived in the 12th to 13th centuries. Snorri kept a home and died in Reckholt, a city which now houses his official museum. It was a place my companion had been wanting to go, and since traveling is very much like a marriage, I consented to visit the museum in hopes of learning more about this famous figure of Icelandic history, not to mention gain favor for a preference of mine in the near future. The museum was educational, and after an hour or so of looking at paintings, reading so many placards, and walking around the pool where Snorri was treacherously murdered, we got back into the gets and traveled on. Despite the rain, the sheep were as docile as ever, and they wandered all about the fields, occasionally blocking traffic and sending a bleat in our direction. The rain began to lift, and as we began exploring the lava fields and waterfalls of Hrondfroser, a large park area situated not far from Reckolt. The blues of the main waterfall were astonishing, and we hiked all over the area, bounding over rocks and water and finding Alice in Wonderland-like red-topped mushrooms nestled between alien shrubbery. Enjoying the peace of going off script for a bit, we decided to drive through a fjord in the countryside. For most of the late morning to early afternoon, we talked about the joys of traveling, the things we had already seen, and the myriad adventures which lie ahead. The sheep watched as our small yet reliable car wound along wet roads through tiny villages showcasing intact whale skeletons and other oddities. In the end we wound up in Arcanes, a small town at the edge of the ocean with beautiful lighthouses and a wonderful small town vibe. We ate lunch at a hippie cafe which doubled as a novelty shop full of Icelandic clocks with gnomes carved into the sides and artisanal cakes and coffees. After talking with the barista for a bit, we decided it best to head back to Reykjavik, luckily a beautiful drive along the coast. We gave back the trusty get to the rental agency and hauled our luggage to our new hostel in the center of town. Unlike before, Reed and I opened the door to our eight-bedroom and it was empty. Feeling rejuvenated, we locked up our bags and went out in search of food and beer. With light diminishing, we quickly found a restaurant serving traditional Icelandic soup inside a bread bowl with a light lager. The soup warmed us and our conversation soon turned to craft beer and the hunt was on. Our trusty itinerary listed a few local breweries and we were eager to hunt them down and we soon found ourselves in the basement of one of them, with copper fermentation tanks to our backs and a cold beer to wet our lips. From there we crawled to another fancy brewery and talked about what we had seen over the course of what felt like a week, but in actuality it was only two days. I'm pretty sure I hadn't stopped smiling since I boarded the plane in New York. It was ridiculous. It was like I was a child in the world's largest candy store, where everything I could dream of was up for grabs. 
As a beer found its way down my throat, my smile widened and the urge for more was greater. We left the brewery and went for a walk to the docks. Around the downtown area, past a mailbox designated for children to drop off their Christmas wish lists, and into the tourist section of the city. It was getting late and our flight was at 7.30 the next morning, but we decided it was worth it for one more beer. It was a vacation after all. The establishment was called the American Bar, and as the name heavily implies, it was full of tourists, mostly Americans. We sat at the bar next to a middle-aged couple from Montana, the kind of tourists who had never left the country and decided after all these years to visit a place that was in the middle of the road, not too crazy, but still within their comfort zone. The four of us talked for a couple hours, drank beers, talked about our pasts and futures, and got told how lucky we were to do this kind of traveling while we were young. By this point, Reed and I were looking over maps on our phones, trying to figure out our path across Scandinavia. For months, he had been asking me what I wanted to see and where I wanted to go. Each question was answered the same. I don't want to plan anything. I just want to go wherever we want to go. It must have been frustrating for him to have planned out Iceland like he did, which was extremely nice for the first country, but to have no idea what came next. He knew we would be flying to Helsinki in a few hours, but besides that, nothing was planned. More beers came. It was approaching 2 in the morning and we were still pouring over maps, only by this point we were talking about slipping into Russia. I've heard somewhere that Americans can be in Russia for up to 72 hours before we need a visa. Yeah, but I've heard they won't let you in without a fixer. The plan was to get to Helsinki in a few hours and book a flight to St. Petersburg and wing it from there. After however many beers we had had, it sounded like a solid plan. We left the bar around 4 in the morning and somehow bought more beer on the way back to the hostel. Drunk. We slowly opened the door to our room, not wanting to wake anyone who may be inside. Once we gathered ourselves, we came to the conclusion that we were alone. Our room was empty. Ecstatic, we opened our beers and made a plan to stay up the entire night, because what was the point in sleeping for a couple hours anyway? Our talking continued until about five, when we simultaneously put down our beers and said to hell with it and crawl into our bunks. With my head reeling from countless pints of countless types of beer, I looked at my phone and saw it was 5.30. Our plan would leave Iceland in two hours. End of chapter.